Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Okay, so how cool is this? Like here I stand at the end of this two-year expanded vision called More. And yet it feels to me like it's a culmination of years and years, a generosity journey that has spanned decades. And at the same time, I feel like we're leaning into new beginnings and a new future. And I just want to tell you, it's so cool to be live today. I want to tell you something that maybe I've told you before, but it is an honor and a privilege. Wherever you are, however you're watching or listening, that even though we're not like spatially together, we are chronologically together right now. I want to start out today with a thought, a a quote from a Western politician who had this to say near the end of World War II about the Allied soldiers who were fighting against Hitler and the Nazis. He said this, we are trying to show not only what we are fighting against, but what we are fighting for. So many of these boys have only a very hazy idea of the real issues of the war. About all they can see is going back to the good old days. This is a dangerous state. If they don't stand for something, they will fall for anything. If they don't stand for something, they will fall for anything. They need to realize that we are fighting two wars, the war of arms and the war of ideas. That other war of which the war of arms is one face. You gotta stand for something or you're gonna fall for anything. See, it's not enough to send these soldiers out to fight. They gotta know what they're fighting for. They gotta know what they're standing against. So in this context, those soldiers were standing against tyranny, dictatorship, and hatred. And what were they fighting for? Well, they were fighting for life, liberty, freedom. And it's interesting because I believe you and me, we live here in a world where we're right in the middle of a spiritual war. I think we all feel it, you know? It's a, it's a struggle of light against darkness, hope against despair, strength against weakness. And so over these last few weeks, what I've been trying to kind of lay out for us is what do we stand for? And what will we not fall for? And so I've come up with four C's. And so a few weeks ago, I, I talked about the first C that we stand for is Christ. We stand for Christ, that Jesus Christ stands alone in all of human history. Amongst all worldviews and all religions, Jesus Christ stands unique. Jesus says, I will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Jesus does not, does not say, you know what, you need to try harder. You need to do more. You need to earn it. Jesus says, I will do for you what you could never do for yourself. So we stand for Christ. And we stand against performance-based acceptance. We stand for Christ, and we're not going to fall, even in a world that more and more thinks that you've got to earn everything. We're not going to fall for performance-based acceptance. And then we talked about the fact that we stand for connection. You can't do life alone. We stand for connection, and we're not going to fall for isolation. And then last week we talked about the fact that we stand for compassion. While it might be true that we can't fix everything, we know that we can always do something. 
while it might be true that we can't help everyone, we know that we can help someone. So we stand for compassion because we're not going to fall for a life of indifference. You've got to stand for something or you're going to fall for anything. And I saved the fourth C to today, May 2nd, 2021, the end of this more expanded vision. And the fourth C is commitment. I want to suggest to you today that it is commitment and not intention that changes the world. It is commitment and not intention that changes our lives. And it's really important to say that because a couple years ago, we came together and we had to decide as a church, what do we stand for? It was a really pivotal time in our history, you know, because we were building for the first time in our history a full-time church facility that I'm standing in today. In some ways, it feels like it's been a long two years, and in some ways, it feels like it's gone so quickly. eh? But we really had to decide what we stand for because the temptation can be, in many churches it's happened, that all of a sudden the building becomes the point. That the building becomes not just the means but the end. That the building becomes the sole focus. And we knew that that could never happen to us. And so we came together and we decided to make a commitment. And we set a total of money that we needed to raise in order that we could still be standing for Christ, standing for connection, standing for compassion, and at the same time build a building. Does that make sense? And so we came together and we decided that that goal needed to be six million dollars, which at that time in our church was an unprecedented amount. But we knew that we needed to pledge that. And we came together and we did it. And the whole point has been across the span of these two years that we still stand for Christ because we know that he does for us what we could never do for ourselves. And we're building a building. But the building isn't the point. The building is just a means by which, a, 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 a hub into which people can walk in and hear about Christ and a message can go out to talk about Christ. But the building has never been the point. Christ is the point. And throughout these two years, we've never lost focus that the point is connection. Bringing people together. And at the same time, we're building a building. And while it might be true that this building was built intentionally to facilitate connection, the building has never been the point. The building can't be the point. Connection is the point. And throughout these two years, we've never lost sight of the fact that we're about compassion. And while it might be true that we're building a building, and that building will be uh, a place from which uh, compassion is facilitated, the building has never been the point. Compassion is the point. And so I remember two years ago, I talked to you about the fact that it's commitment and not intention that changes the world. Because you've got to stand for something or you're going to fall for anything. I told a story. I talked about the time that I flew out to Halifax with my son Gabe, and we watched Gabe's older brother, my son Lucas, play in the National Basketball Championship at the University of Calgary, and they won the championship. And I remember sitting there in Halifax in the Scotiabank Center, and I watched in that final game, Lucas hit two huge threes right at the end of the game to secure the national championship. And I thought to myself later, I wonder how many shots Lucas took throughout his life to prepare him for those shots that he needed to take to win the national championship. And I came up with a number of right around six million. See, from the time that Lucas was a little dude, he was in the gym early in the morning, late at night, working and working and working. 
And I know this might be something relatively unimportant like sports, but the principle is the same. Do you get it? It's commitment, not intention, that makes a difference. Right? You can intend to be a good shooter. You can intend to be ready for that moment, or you can commit to it. You got to stand for something, or you're going to fall for anything. And that's what these two years have represented for us. And today's the culmination of that. Today is a day of commitment. Got to stand for something. You're going to fall for anything. I want to end with a story. A couple months ago, I went on a bike ride on the Vetter Trail. Now, for those of you who aren't from this area, I got to tell you that where we're from here in Chilliwack, BC, we have probably one of the most beautiful walking and biking trails on the entire planet, the Vetter Trail. And I was riding my bike. It was a rainy day. I love rainy days on the trail, by the way. Corinne, my wife, bought me a rain suit so I don't get wet, but the trail is clear. So I was pretty much all by myself. I'm riding my bike along the trail. And there's a point at which the trail kind of veers off from the river and goes up into a forest. And right there in the middle of the forest, there's a bench. I stopped my bike, I got off, and I sat down on the bench. And as soon as I sat down, I felt like God asked me a question. He asked me this, Mike, have I been good to you? Have I been good to you? And of course, the answer immediately was yes. But it went further than that for me. In fact, as I sat there on that bench in the forest, I began thinking of this highlight reel of moments I remembered how good God has been to me. I remember how he saved me, how he sustained me, how he's led me step by step through the years, how he brought into my life my wife, Corinne, and how he's provided for us. I thought about that, how Corinne and I are the richest people that you've ever met. We're the richest people that you know. We don't have wealth, but we also don't have worries. We've always been enthusiastic, exuberant givers. And you know what? God has always provided for us. He's always looked after us. And I thought about that. I thought about how he's provided for us as we've raised our family of eight. And as I sat there on the bench right there in the forest near the Veda River, I thought about how good he is to me still today. How I have six kids that I'm so proud of. I have a daughter-in-law and two sons-in-law who everybody agrees are like the nicest manises, so you can make uh, from that what you will. And I have a grandson named Noah, who is very, very cool. It should be noted that his first word was grandpa, which is pretty awesome. But I thought to myself, as I sat on that bench amongst the trees near the Vetter River, in, that, in answer to God's question, Mike, have I been good to you? I thought to myself, you know what I can't remember doing throughout all these years? I can't remember even once looking at somebody else and saying, man, that person has it better than me. You know why? Because here's the truth. No one does. No one does. So I got back on my bike and I kept riding. I only rode for about another kilometer and now I was right along the river. Nice rainy day, completely deserted. And there was another bench sitting there overlooking the river, so I pulled over again. And I felt like God asked me a second question. And the second question was this, Mike, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And again, the obvious answer was yes, but the, the answer went further than that for me. It was another highlight reel of memories that came to me. And this time I remembered how throughout my adult life, I noticed how God has gifted me with certain abilities. From my time as a waiter, putting myself through my last couple of years of university as a teacher, as a coach, as a youth pastor, as a lead pastor, 
I notice that God has gifted me with the ability to persuade, to encourage, to inspire, to challenge people, to sometimes come into somebody's life and have them achieve things that they couldn't have achieved if they wouldn't have met me. And that's pretty cool. But then I remembered very clearly throughout my life, all the people I've met, all the marriages I've encountered, all all the families I've seen, all the situations that I've worked in where I realized very quickly that no amount of Mike Manis encouragement, no amount of Mike Manis inspiration, no amount of Mike Manis challenge could do anything in these situations. And I remember all the times that I saw God do what I never could have done. I remember all the miracles. And I thought to myself, sitting on that bench overlooking the Veta River, I thought, God, I do trust you because here's the truth. Only you can make lost people found people. Only you can make broken people whole. Only you can make spiritually blind people see. Only you can make spiritually dead people live. Only you can set the captives free. Yes, I trust you. And it brought to mind for me the very first sermon that Jesus ever preached. It's recorded in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. Jesus used a text out of the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 61. This is what he read. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So let's review. Question number one, God asked me that day, was Mike, have I been good to you? My answer was, yeah, God, no one's got it better than me. And question number two was, Mike, do you trust me? And my answer was, yes, God, I trust you because only you can set prisoners free. By the way, this is a pretty good exercise. That maybe you should, could spend some time today or this week and ask yourself those two questions. Has God been good to you? Do you trust him? I think it's Psalm 103, verse 2 that says this, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and don't forget a single blessing. Has he been good to you? Do you trust him? So I remember as I sat down on that bench overlooking the Veta River, there was a third question that God asked me that day. And in order to really understand that question, I'm going to read for you a passage out of the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. This section is known as the Valley of Dry Bones. Let me read it for you. This is Ezekiel speaking. God grabbed me, Ezekiel says. God's spirit took me up and set me down in the middle of an open plain strewn with bones. He led me around and among them a lot of bones. There were bones all over the plain, dry bones bleached by the sun. He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, master God, only you know that. He said to me, prophesy over these bones. Dry bones, listen to the message of God. God the master told the dry bones, watch this. I'm bringing the breath of life to you and you'll come to life. I'll attach sinews to you, put meat on your bones, cover you with skin and breathe life into you. You'll come alive and you'll realize that I am God. I prophesied just as I've been commanded. As I prophesied, there was a sound and rustling. The bones moved and came together bone to bone. I kept watching. Sinews formed, then muscles on the bones, then skin stretched over them, but they had no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. 
tell the breath, God the master says, come from the four winds, come breath, breathe on these slain bodies, breathe life. So I prophesied just as he commanded me. The breath entered them and they came alive. They stood up on their feet, a huge army. So with question number one again, question number one was, Mike, have I been good to you? My answer was, yeah, God, no one's got it better than me. Question number two was, Mike, do you trust me? And my answer was, yes, God, because only you can set prisoners free. Question number three is real simple. Can these bones live? In other words, can God bring revival? Let me level with you. We're here on May 2nd. 2021, and we're at the end of this expanded vision called more. But I'm telling you, as a culture, as a society, as a world, we're about to step into a new season of revival. There are people all over this world right now, and they are just so dried out by discouragement and despair. And what they need more than anything else is they need a soul-level refreshment. And only God can do that, and I know God will do that. There's people all over your city today. And it's like they got the breath knocked out of them. Maybe I could put that a different way. It's like the wind has left their sails. There was a time in their lives when they strained forward, they looked forward, they looked ahead with optimism. But there's this sense now, after the last 14 months of COVID, there's this sense that the best days are behind us. It's fatalistic resignation. And what they need more than anything else is they need God to breathe the breath of life into them. They need the wind back in their sails and God will do that. There's people all over your neighborhood today and they've been knocked over by these last 14 months. I don't know, maybe it's this fact that it feels like we don't control anything anymore. I think people feel weak and defeated and what they really need to know, what they really need more than anything else is they need to know that there's a God who says, even when you're weak, I am strong. And even when the world feels completely outside of your control, I'm always in control and I love you. They need to be lifted back up on their feet. God will do that. There's a revival coming. And I believe honestly that we're to be right in the middle of it because that's the way revival works, right? God breathes refreshment. God breathes life. God brings strength into you and me. And then we bring it to others. There's a revival coming. And I knew as I sat on that bench near the Vetter River that day, I knew what was coming next. And to be completely honest with you, I wasn't sure that I was gonna share what came next with you, but I decided that I would. The reason that I did, by the way, is I guess one of my ministry mentors, dear, dear friend of mine named Dave Hubert, this guy that planted a Glad Tidings Church here in Chilliwack, an amazing preacher. Years and years ago, he would look at me when I was teaching and coaching, and he would just say to me, you need to preach. And I would just blow him off, but he would always say, you need to preach. And and he's always mentored me. And I remember the moment when I transitioned from the role of youth pastor into the role of lead pastor. And he sat me down, he said, Mike, you gotta understand something. Being a pastor, it's not really like being a coach. It's more like being a shepherd. I said, what do you mean? He said, when you're a coach, you can drive people from behind, but when you're a shepherd, you need to lead from the front. So the story I'm about to tell you is me attempting to be a shepherd to you. 
See, because I knew what was coming next that day on the Vetter River. Remember the questions? Number one, God asked me, have I been good to you? My answer, yes, God, no one's got it better than me. Question number two, Mike, do you trust me? My answer, yeah, God, because I know you can set prisoners free. And question number three, Mike, can I bring a revival? And the answer is absolutely yes. I told you earlier that Corinne and I are the richest people that you know. We're the richest people that you know. We don't have wealth, but we also don't have worries. God's always looked after us. And so I remember two years ago when we came together as a church family and, and we said, look, we, we need to bring in $6 million if we really want to stand, if we want to take a stand for Christ, if we want to take a stand for connection, if we want to take a stand for compassion and build a building. And so Corinne and I came together and we decided what we were going to give. And it was an ambitious number, but we were excited about it. And then 2020 happened. And two of our kids decided to get married. Right during COVID too, which is awesome, but expensive, you know? And our others, an, another one of our kids, Bedza, decided that he wanted to go to YWAM in Australia, which is awesome, but expensive. And so we got near to the end of 2020. And I remember Corinne and I had come to this realization, we're running a little bit behind on our work commitment. And so I felt like I was, what I was supposed to do in that moment was sell my car and, and give the money to the more expanded vision. And so that's what we did. And we were just so excited moving into 2021 because now we were tracking and we were going to hit our more expanded vision number. It was going to be awesome. But something happened in the middle of January of this year. Somebody said, hey, Mike, you should check your TFSAs. TFSAs, by the way, are tax-free savings account. I don't really know a lot about them. All I know is that years and years and years and years ago, our financial advisor said, I'm going to set up some TFSAs for you. I said, what do I do with them? He said, hey, if you get money that's like outside of your monthly budget or outside of your annual budget, just put it in your TFSA. And so that's what we would do. If we got money for our birthday, we put it in our TFSA. If we got a Christmas bonus, we put it in our TFSA. If someone paid me to do a wedding, I'd put it in the TFSA. If uh, we got a tax return, I'd put it in the TFSA. So about middle of January of this year, somebody says, hey, uh, you should check your TFSA. So I went online and they gave me the password and I checked it. And I found that in our TFSA was $30,000. $30,000. Now, you might be looking at me going, that's not that much. For us, it is. For us, it is. And so being the pastor of Southside Church and having a heart for this city and this world, the first thing that came to my mind when I saw the $30,000 in that TFSA was I, it starts with a C, like so many, you know, Christ, connection, compassion. The first thing that I decided to do was get a car, okay? So I was so excited about getting a car. And not just any kind of car, I knew that I wanted to get an electric car. And I knew that one of the biggest obstacles to that dream was convincing Corinne that we needed to get a car. So I went to Corinne, I said, Corinne, we need to get an electric car. And Corinne said, I thought we were a one vehicle family. You know, you're riding your bike to work now and you love it. I said, yeah, we're gonna stay a one vehicle family. What we're gonna do is we're gonna sell the SUV that you like so much and we're gonna buy an electric car instead. It's gonna be awesome. And she didn't agree at all. But I mentioned earlier to you that I am quite persuasive and also very persistent. I am Dutch after all. And so I just continued to work and I would show her pictures every day. See this great electric car. By the way, if you have any questions about electric cars, I am probably one of the world's foremost experts at this point because I did a lot of research. And I looked and I looked and I looked and finally I convinced Corinne we're getting an electric car. And I was stoked. 
Did I mention that I knew what was coming next as I sat overlooking the Vetter River that day? Let's review the questions. Number one, Mike, have I been good to you? Yes, God, no one's got it better than me. Question number two, Mike, do you trust me? Yeah, God, because only you can set prisoners free. Question number three, Mike, can I bring a revival? Yes, you can and you will, God. And then God told me as I sat on the bench, hey, take that $30,000 and put it as an over and above gift to the more expanded vision. I want to end this thing with a generous flourish. Man, I want to lean into this next season because if we end well, we begin well. We're about to begin a new season of revival, and I just couldn't wait to do it. So I rolled my bike home. I said to Corinne, hey, we're giving the $30,000. She said, you change your mind a lot, but we're excited to do it. And so what I want to do now is I want to get a little bit logistic. I want to talk a little bit about numbers now. And to do that, I can't think of anyone better than our expansion pastor, Dave Poole. Now, I could go on and on about Dave Poole, but I'm just going to kind of leave it at this. This is a guy who has been incredibly instrumental in this church and specifically over the last two years in this building campaign. He's worked with contractors. He's worked with consultants. And in a lot of ways, his fingerprints are all over this building. You know what's crazy, though? In spite of the fact that he's been in charge of this building, never once has he lost sight of the fact that the building isn't the point, that Christ is the point, connection is the point, compassion is the point. So if you're online right now, and really where else would you be, to be honest, uh, why don't you all give us some clap hands emojis as we welcome Dave Poole, our expansion pastor. Hey, David. Thanks so much, Pastor Mike. I just got to say, it has been such an honor to serve this mission and vision of more over these past two years. And as we're here on this two-year finish line, it's actually hard to believe that it's gone so fast, and yet so much has happened. But two years ago, uh, our church came together, and we made a statement, a commitment, that we were going to build a church home in our city to impact our city and the world, but that we didn't want that to become our mission, that, uh, our focus in ministry, or of our finances. And so we decided we're going to amplify everything that we do as a church. And we, we came together, we made a goal that we knew that we needed to commit $6 million to reach those dreams and goals in ministry. And in typical Southside fashion, uh, you came and stepped up and pledged $6.5 million. And then at a one-year anniversary, uh, so many new people had joined our church and we, they wanted to participate. We actually increased that commitment to $6.8 million. And then a few short weeks later, uh, this thing called COVID-19 happened and it's still happening and everything changed. So it went from, from 6 to 6.5 to 6.8 to COVID. And the world stopped. Borders closed. Travel stopped. People stopped working. Our kids stopped going to school. We pivoted to online ministry. And so many people in our world were, were hurting. And we needed help. So it went from 6 to 6.5 to 6.8 to COVID. And God revealed to us that, that bringing more help, more hope, and more home was more important then than ever, and still is. And so we went from 6 to 6.5 to 6.8 to COVID, and we knew that we needed to maintain that commitment, that we are in this city, we are in this world, to continue to bring more help, hope, and home to our world. And so we did. And so here we are at the, the, the end of this two-year vision, and we just want to actually stop and celebrate what God was able to do through your generosity, through your sacrificial giving. 
So let's take a look at what God was able to do over these past two years. That's incredible. Uh, I'm actually speechless. I mean, I'm joined up here by our staff team, or most of our staff team. We've got production stuff serving right now, but, but we truly are speechless. And God is so good. I mean, I guess all we can say is it really is more. And it's such a great example, such a great testament of how God is able to do immeasurably more that we can ask or imagine. And I gotta say, I'm so proud to be on your team, and I'm so proud to, to be a part of your church. And I know if, when we're in this battle and, and I look over and we're in this foxhole that, man, I'm so glad that you're on the other side of that and that you're with us uh, in this mission and vision. I'm so proud of this staff team for so hard you guys have worked over these two years and beyond. And God is so good and, and we want to give him all the glory. And you know, uh, as we cross this two-year finish line, I just want to say that, that Southside will continue to bring help, hope, and home to our world. And that won't change. And you know, I love how Pastor Mike has said that, that we want to finish this, this race, this two-year expanded vision in a flourish of generosity. And that's because we know that God actually positioned us and prepared us for COVID-19. He was not surprised, and he put us here to bring that help and hope and home to our city and the world. And we know that we also need to be prepared for the revival that we know in faith is coming. That this valley of dry bones will live and we'll see new life. And that's why we wanna finish this in this flourish at generosity. And I'm not sure what your situation is. Maybe today's the day as we cross this finish line that, that your and your families come together and you've prepared uh, to bring your commitment to more today. Or perhaps you're in a position where you've already uh, met your commitment. And today you want to actually, maybe there's that thing that God's now tapping you on the shoulder to sow as a seed into the revival that's coming. Or maybe you just want to invest more into this mission and vision. Or perhaps today's actually the, the very first day that you want to step into this movement, into this life of generosity and, and trust God with your finances. And maybe you've been watching over this past two years or you've been watching online and you've actually seen that God is at work in and through this church, that he is moving and you want to participate today in that. Whatever your situation is, as we come together at this end of the two years, now is the time where we're going to give. And to do so, you can simply text the word give to our number, which is 604-670-3040. And when you do, you'll get a link back, which is, lays out all of our giving options, both in person and online. And we're going to do that now together. And I just got to say, finally, thank you. On behalf of our church, on behalf of the generations to come that will be impacted by your generosity, thank you. To the senior citizens, to the empty nesters, thank you. To the business owners, thank you. 
to the, to the families, young and old, who have sacrificially given, thank you. To the single moms, to the single dads, to the single guy or the single lady, thank you so much for giving. To the teenagers, to the students, to even the kids who have given so generously to this expanded vision, thank you so much. I know that the Bible says that God works for the good of His people according to His purpose. And I know that not only have you been a blessing, you will be a blessing. And He didn't bring us this far to only bring us this far. And because of Jesus Christ, the best truly is yet to come. What are, are those things called com, confetti cannons? Okay, two problems with that. Number one, cannon. That's a little ambitious for like the six little flakes that come out and two, I couldn't even get mine to work until the very end. Yours didn't work either, yeah. Cannon. We'll look into that. Uh, hey, I love you guys a lot. It's a funny story about a car, right? But, but I want to tell you something. I'm not saying I'm never going to get that car. What I am saying, however, is that we believe in something called the principle of first fruits that I really believe that if we end well with a generous flourish, man, we, we step into an exciting new beginning. And Corinne and I wanted to plant a seed into this revival that's coming. Why? Let me think. Oh, I think I know why. Because you got to stand for something. Or you're going to fall for anything. And it is commitment. It is commitment. It is commitment that changes the world, not intention. I love you guys so much. And I'm going to just ask you right now to be asking God, is there that thing that you're willing to right now say, hey God, I want to I wanna give this up. I want to end with a generous flourish. Or as Dave said, I want to begin with a generous flourish. Wherever you are right now, we're excited and we're leaning in, not only with a sense of gratitude for what he has done, but we're looking forward to what he is going to do. I love you guys. The band is going to take it away. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.